You're listening to Ants Talk. My next guests are relationship and intimacy coaches who are Australians currently in lockdown in Colombia. They are going to chat to us about their work and all about relationships and intimacy. Welcome to the show, Jody Milton and Reese Stockhausen. How are you guys? Hi, very well, thank you. I hope Hi, I pronounced the name correctly. You. you nailed it. <laughs> you did, yeah. Oh my yeah. God, I'm amazing. <laughs> I love that. So guys, tell us all about being in lockdown, especially as a couple. Yeah, well, look, it's been interesting because we are in quite a strict lockdown here in Colombia. So we can't leave the house even to exercise. Um, we are not actually allowed to leave the house together. It's only one person at a time can go out. Um, but at the same time, because we are relationship coaches, we also have these strategies that we've been developing for years that make it a lot easier for us to kind of coexist in, in high moments of stress and, and moments like these. Yeah, we've really been living the kind of uh, digital nomad laptop lifestyle for the last five years. So being in quarantine and being in lockdown doesn't actually look a whole lot different for us. We spend most of our days indoors working anyway together. Yeah, but one, one thing we've certainly noticed with our clients but also with ourselves it's this duality between togetherness and then needing autonomy yeah. and i think that's been the biggest thing it's like i love you and i want to connect and it's wonderful that we can be together but also when you physically can't leave the house when do you ever get that moment to be alone when do you ever get that feeling of being i'm an independent human that is separate from you and i think that's probably one of the biggest challenges yeah definitely it's it's so important i mean with us, we think most people are redecorating their homes at the moment. But yeah. We actually did up our backyard. And so it's almost like now we've got another extra room to go to. And it's just mm. been a blessing in disguise because I can actually just go out there, get some fresh air and just be away from each other for a moment. Not that we need to, but I just think it does, it, it does yourself good. It's so important. And everyone needs that space, whether it's a room, whether it's the backyard or whether it's putting your headphones on while you're on the computer and just listening to music. You need that space where you feel like you can just do your own thing and be by yourself. Yeah. And plus I'm learning Chinese, so it's good to do it alone because I sound a little bit so Oh, nice. <laughs> Impressive. Oh, you know, I've just, I've taken on a whole list of things to do while we're, I'm in isolation. Guys, being there are so many of us in lockdown with our significant others, what would be some insights for couples to connect and thrive in deeper ways? It's mm. a big question. I think the thing that comes up for me firstly, and something that we're seeing with a lot of our clients at the moment is even though we're being forced to spend all of this time together, it's often not quality time. Mm. And so really, it's just this really simple mindset shift around taking really small moments every day to just slow everything down, to just breathe, to get present and to really connect in with one another. And it can just be as simple as like, Hey, how are you going? Like, what's going on for you right now? What are you mm -hmm. feeling? Um, but yeah, just really taking the moment to have that quality time because instead of just like doing whatever with your day. Yeah. yeah there's a real difference between spending all day together and actually feeling connected and feeling close so true. and yeah and it really does come down to your intention and as Ree said you're being present with each other so as you know taking that moment out to be like okay I'm going to look you in the eye <laughs> I'm going to actually check in and, and ask how are you and maybe go a little bit deeper with some of my questions too because 
it is kind of a good opportunity to talk about things that maybe you don't talk about normally, mm. right? Like it's a nice time to have a bit of a, a life review. Like what are your dreams and goals at the moment? What are you looking forward to after lockdown? How are you feeling about life as it stands right now? Not just lockdown, but how are you feeling before we went into lockdown? Like yeah. we can kind of do this nice, deep, intimate check-in with each other and ask some really probing questions that allow us to actually connect on a deeper level. It's, it's a really interesting time because there's sort of the external circumstance of we're being forced inside. And then we can take that to a, a very metaphorical level as well of being forced inside of ourselves. And yeah. I think like what's something that's happened for me personally, and again, something that I'm seeing with a lot of my clients is we're really being forced to look at stuff that has kind of been bubbling away under the surface for us for, for maybe a long time, maybe not so, so long a time, but to just sort of confront the stuff that we haven't been looking at, we've been sweeping under the carpet mm. and you know, especially in terms of relationships as well, just the stuff that has been left unsaid, the stuff that hasn't been confronted. So it's this really interesting time where a lot of people's shit's coming up and yeah. like, that's hard and it's uncomfortable, but it's also awesome because it's you know kind of forcing people to look at themselves and really grow from the experience. Definitely. It's funny because um, I think at the, at the same time, we're also seeing a lot of each other's insecurities and fears and anxiety yeah. around just this whole issue that's happening at the moment. I know with my husband and I, we sat down and we spoke about um, how, I mean, I spoke, I spoke to him about how <laughs> you've got to, we've got to get out of our mind that, cause I mean, we were just getting up each day, making breakfast, sitting in front of the TV, blah, blah, blah. And I said, we really need to start looking at this in long-term and, and grabbing something that we can actually focus on long-term because this may be a long-term thing. That's why, mm -hmm. as I mentioned about the Chinese, learning to do that, right, continuing on with the podcast, even deciding to write a book. It's, it's just stuff like that that we need to look at that's going to feel a little bit more time than just day by day because I think that's the big capture at the moment. Mm. Yeah, because otherwise we start to feel stalled. We yeah. feel like our life is on hold and when we don't know when things we don't have a timeline on when everything's going to go back to normal, like whatever that means. But you know, we don't know when the lockdown will be lifted. We can't stay in that state for very long. It no. will bring up a lot of anxiety and it will, it's not good for the human psyche to be in this constant state of uncertainty. And so we do have to try and create our own places where we feel, okay, I know that this is what I'm focusing on. Here are my little mini goals to kind of reclaim a little bit of control in our lives. Yeah. yeah. Cause at the it's moment I think we're all waiting for tomorrow. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. It's, it's something that we had to confront really early on because about a week before lockdown was announced here in Colombia, we just spent thousands of dollars booking flights and oh. travel arrangements for the whole of South America for the next three months. Oh. And then a week later, lockdown is announced and we're like, right, well, there goes all of our plans yeah. for the next yeah. couple of months. You know, and we, we also got the call from the Australian government saying, if you want to come home, come home now yeah. or else we don't know when you can come home. And yeah, that brought up for us big questions of, well, what is next? Yeah, and, what, yeah. what do we do now? Like everything that we planned on doing. Yeah, and we were, for quite a few weeks, we were just like, oh, like similar to like you said just sort of get up every day do your thing but what now yeah yeah exactly it's, i actually we organized a holiday to singapore and phuket in september and 
I don't think it's going to be happening. No. And I've, been getting, I've been getting advice from some, from some really good people in the know about what to do with that situation. And supposedly the best thing to do right now is just to sit on it and not yeah. put it all or anything like that, just to leave yeah. it or allow yeah. the, 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 um, the airlines to actually cancel the tickets for you because it's yeah. going to benefit you in the long run. Yeah, you have to be able to sort of discern what's the things that I can't decide on until it's time. So for us, for example, you know, are we going to stay here in Medellin, in Colombia, or will we go somewhere else? We can't make that decision today, so stop trying. Yeah. That, you know, put that to pending. But then there are other decisions or other aspects of our life that we can look at now. So then look at those and focus on that. And it's sort of coming back into that locus of control. If you keep looking at the things that you can control, you can influence that are timely for now, it does help to ground you down and, and just create that little bit more certainty and direction. Yeah, definitely. Talking about your travels, you've been, you guys have been to Turkey, Mexico, India, Croatia. Can you tell us <laughs> about the difficulties of traveling together? Mm. That question's interesting. I love traveling yeah, with it's, Reese. It's, it's, it's an interesting question because it's so normal for us now. It's just such a part of our everyday lives. Like, I'm sure there are challenges, but they're just so normalized for us. Yeah. I think one of the hardest part of traveling full time is never really having a community yeah. because we're always... We're always on the run. That's our theme song, the Lenny Kravitz song. <laughs> um, not for any actual reason. We're not running from the law or anything like that, just to clarify. We just really love traveling. So for us, our community is each other. And yeah. so it actually has strengthened our relationship rather than being a challenge. But also we know how to, it comes back to what we were saying before, we know how to do our own thing. We know yeah. how to say, hey, babe, I need some time out or I'm just going for a walk or I'm going to the cafe. I'll see you in a couple of hours or, hey, I want to go check out this museum tour. Do you want to come? No, not my thing. Cool. Bye. Yeah. We know how so to do important. that. And because we know how to balance that autonomy and that togetherness, we don't struggle with, I think what a lot of couples do is that friction of feeling like you're on top of each other all the time or you know having differences in what you want to do we know how to create that separateness even in our togetherness because some couples are really really bad at traveling together I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you see them when you're you're traveling yourself and you've got this couple brawling over in the corner while you're just sitting there going okay um yeah. i think with us i mean we're the same we're, we're very good travelers together my husband and i have got very different tastes so he does allow me to go and do stuff like go to a gallery without him and meet up with friends if he's not in the mood and stuff like that and i think that's the the secret is is to have those times alone because you don't have to do everything together you really don't a lot of people think you have to but i really believe you don't yeah absolutely and that removes so much of the friction and also having just being able to communicate about your expectations and what you want, because sometimes when traveling, if you have expectations, then that creates space to be disappointed. And I think that is often the thing that's causing arguments, you know, when that couple's in the corner fighting over something, one person wanted to do something or they thought it was going to look a certain way and it didn't. Whereas if you know how to communicate your way through that. I think it's yeah something that we've really learned how to nail over the time we've been together is just anything that we're feeling ever, we know how to communicate it. Yeah, mm. So you know, if that goes from, 
I want to take some space and just like communicating that boundary or if one of us is feeling upset about something or angry or whatever it is, we know how to just sit down and confront it head on instead of just sort of sweeping it under the carpet or pretending it doesn't exist or no, there's nothing wrong. Just be passive aggressive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Couples think that they're really good at reading each other's minds. They think they're really good at working out their partner's feeling. And Mm. it's just been shown time and time again with research. We suck at reading our partner's minds. We misread them all the time. And so the the answer really is be transparent, speak, ask the question, check in, Mm. communicate about everything that you can and you really are going to lessen the chances of misunderstanding each other and and ending up in a bit of a mess. Mm. Assuming that you're angry with me. Oh, my gosh. I'll start tiptoeing around you and treating you differently, whereas instead I can just go, hey, is something wrong? Are you upset? Have yeah. I done something? Exactly. Which, and and it I, just cuts through yeah. all the noise and you just know exactly where each other stands. It just makes things so much easier. Yeah. Because <laughs> I really do think a lot of times in relationships, people will ask that same question. Is something okay? And most people just go, no, I'm fine. Yeah. You, know I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can't just do that. You've got to, if there is something wrong, you've got to learn to actually divulge it. You can't just keep hiding yeah. it to yeah. yourself and almost holding them at ransom. It just doesn't work that way. It's so true. Now, guys, I've got a little uh, saucy question. So <laughs> what, yeah. is, what is your personal opinions about couples who complain of lack of sex in their relationships? What do you think the issues are? Firstly, my heart goes out to them because uh, there's a really beautiful quote or saying, I think it's uh, from the Gottman Institute, their relationship experts, scientists, um underneath every complaint is a yearning there's a yearning in every complaint so if you're complaining about a lack of sex in your relationship then there's a really deep need there that it's it's not being met and i really empathize with that like with both sides of the equation in that because i've been in relationships before that suffered from a lack of sex and sexual intimacy and it's heartbreaking. It's hard. It's like one of the most difficult challenges to navigate in a relationship, the differences in desire for sex. So mm. that's my first response is just empathy and compassion. Mm. And we take the view that sex is about so much more than sex. Friction on your genitals. Right? It's not <laughs> just about getting your rocks off and rubbing genitals together. It can be. It can be. That's one level. <laughs> Right, we sort of say there's the physical level, there's the emotional level, there's the spiritual level, there's the mental level. Like it really does engage you on in all ways. Mm. And what, most of the time, and we've we've found this to be true. There's sometimes this generalization that women want emotional connection through sex and men just want pleasure, which is just such a myth. It's such yeah. a lie. We're all human. We want connection. And, and again, that has been shown from research and interviews that what we're really reaching out for when we're reaching out for physical intimacy is emotional connection, mm. to feel safe, to feel connected, to feel loved, to feel like we matter to our partner, you know, to feel confident, to feel beautiful, to feel yeah. sexy, to feel like all of these really beautiful, pure intentions. And so even just understanding that, if you're on the side of the equation where your partner's complaining that we're not having enough sex, you know, that can make you feel like they want something from you or they're trying to get something from you. 
remembering that yearning and, and the really pure intention is there can really help to start bridge that gap and, and feel like you're actually coming from a place of shared understanding. Yeah, it's like make connection the goal instead of sex yeah. being the goal and the whole dynamic changes then. If you like your beauty products to stand out, look a little different and smell amazing, then I'm pretty sure you should check out Sugar Monster. Brand new and completely Adelaide-based, Sugar Monster scrubs are natural body products with a quirky style to them. You'll have to see to know why. All completely handmade, vegan and cruelty-free with skin-loving ingredients that your body will love. Plus, they smell good enough to eat. But don't actually do that. Check out the range at sugarmonster.com.au and support local business. What would you suggest to sort of initiate uh-huh. intimacy for couples that haven't had sex in a while? Yeah, it would. And again, this is something we work with a lot of couples on where we take the goal of sex, of, you know, physical, sexual pleasure or connection away and bring it back to that more emotive, intimate connecting level. It's like make that the goal. And it tends to have a very transformative effect on the, the intentions and the mindsets and the way that both people approach sex then. Yeah. And it also takes the pressure off. And this is something that's really important. We're not taught how to, firstly, we're not taught how to have great sex. We're also not taught how to initiate sex and how to manage this dynamic in a relationship. There will always be one person who wants sex more than the other and that will shift and change but it's pretty Mm. unlikely that every single minute of every single day you are both going to want sex the exact same amount and that you will feel the exact same amount of desire so you have to know how to manage that dynamic and we're not taught how to do that that's not something that is taught in schools we've just got to kind of hope that we work it out and it's a really difficult thing to just work out (laughs) and A big part of it is understanding how desire actually works and realizing that it isn't something that just strikes like lightning. It is actually something that we can cultivate. And for us personally, right, if we're in a situation where one of us really wants to connect sexually, the other one's not quite in the mood, coming back to this place where it's like, let's just go get naked, lie in bed, have a cuddle, have a smooch and just see what happens. And if mm. we go do that, we've already won. Yeah. And in our minds, that's sex. We call it sex with a capital S. It's so much bigger than, you know, genitals on genitals. And you know what? Once we get into bed and we snuggle and we kiss and we look at each other and we have a giggle and we start connecting, quite often that stokes the desire of the other person who had the lower desire in that mm. moment. So it really does start with that that connection and removing those expectations. Yeah, and that's the biggest thing is that there's no hidden agenda with that strategy. There's no let's do this because then we're sort of pushing and pressuring to get to the penetration part. Yeah, yeah. It's just, you know, because we're focused on that connection, it's like, cool, let's, like Jody said, let's just get into bed, let's get naked, let's squish our bodies up against one another. And that's when we're focused on that connection, like that's nourishing then. Yeah. We don't have to get to the penetration bit. It's like, oh, we've made it. You know, we've achieved the goal. It's like we've already achieved the goal because we're connecting. We're we're being intimate with one another. Mm. If, you know, more deeper sexual connection grows from that, 
awesome. Like we'll mm. follow that. And if it doesn't, awesome. We've connected. Yeah. Because so. like, I mean, penetration's great, but it's not the only thing. Like mm. there's so many other fabulous, delicious, fantastic activities that fall under the umbrella of sex that are just as worthwhile. Um, and so it doesn't need to be about getting to this one singular destination. That actually makes it more difficult, puts more pressure on. Yeah, yeah. That's such good advice because I think that most people really do believe that it's all about the any outy stuff. And yeah. <laughs> oh, I love really, that. That's such a great expression. <laughs> they've really got to get to, you know, get to know that just having intimacy can be, you know, a gentle kiss, a, a brush of their hair, a massage, uh, just mm. about connecting in, with it in itself. What, and my next question's a, another saucy one. What are your thoughts on open relationships? Oh, you this think is a great question. Yeah. yeah. So we are monogamous um, by design, by conscious choice. It's something that we actively choose. And why I like to make that really clear is because, you know, monogamy is the norm. It's the standard. It's the culture that we live in. Mm. And there's just this unspoken or and explicitly spoken expectation that that's what relationships look like. And most people find themselves just falling into that model. Yeah. And so I like to make it really clear that it's like, cool, acknowledging that, but this is something that we specifically choose for ourselves because of what it's what feels really good to us. Like, yeah. I don't feel trapped in my relationship. I don't feel like I have to be monogamous out of expectation or societal pressure. It's something that feels really good to me. And it's a, a choice that I actively make. Having said all that, if open relating is what works for another person, absolutely. And I think it's really important because of that societal pressure and expectation that we are actively questioning that. And, mm. you know, because it doesn't work for a lot of people. Monogamy. Monogamy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, open relating is such a valid way of doing relationship. We, we believe in conscious relationship creation, right? We believe in conscious life creation, you know, um, lifestyle design, relationship design. You get to choose what your relationship looks like. And if that's monogamy, cool. If that's open relating, cool. You know, if that's a triad, cool. There's so many different models out there. It's about finding the right one for you. Mm, exactly. No, I agree. I think that, um, I mean, I've seen some really successful ones and then I, some very unsuccessful. And <laughs> mm -hmm. I think that... It's then good to monogamy, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, is that so many people look at open relationships as a, you know, almost like a dirty word or, oh my God, mm. how dare, how can they, or how dare they? Where to yeah. me, it's sort of like, it's just another choice. That's yeah. the beauty of living in a free world is that we have choice. Yeah. yeah. We don't yeah. have to just do what's expected of us. And to be honest, to be in an open relationship and do it successfully, you have to be a master at relationships, right? When, when an and open communication. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. You have to be, and that's what I mean, you, communication skills you have to develop. There is actually more rules, more agreements, mm -hmm. more explicit communication in an open relationship then there is monogamy. In many ways, monogamy is kind of easier because yeah. there's less rules to follow and it's simplified. And that's one of the things that I really enjoy about it. I kind of don't have to think about what's it like to bring a third person or a fourth person into this relationship. Are we allowed to kiss? Yeah, you know, like... I mean, our relationship keeps us busy enough <laughs> as it is, right? Yeah. Like we, it's not like we have heaps of problems, but it's like 
it's it's enough. Like yeah. nav- navigating one relationship for me, it's like wow, oh, it's I'm so true. Like I, yeah. I, I'm I'm overflowing with relationship. Yeah, yeah. I can't even imagine bringing another person into this. Let like, alone these people that are it. doing it secretly on the side too. I'm just like, yeah. wow. how do they do yeah. that? Like, yeah. who has yeah. the time? Yeah. So in a lot of ways, like my hat goes off to exactly. those who are who are doing open relationships successfully mm. because yeah, yeah that the energy and like the foresight and just the openness and the understanding and mm. oh man, I'm tired just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, <it's, laughs> we've, we've worked with quite a few clients who are in open relationships and I find it incredibly inspiring and I do yeah. I have the utmost respect for anyone who chooses that type of relationship. Definitely, mm. definitely. Subscribe to Ants Talk. What would you say, or, you know, your opinions are the three core things to a successful relationship? Honesty and transparency, first and foremost, for me. Mm. And like, just even that, you know, I can't just say those few words and not explain Mm. it because that's a very multifaceted thing. Honesty and transparency in myself, first and foremost, that... I am constantly taking, making the effort to know who I am and how I then share who I am with Jody mm. in the space of relationship, how honest and open and transparent I am with myself and the back and forth that that creates between us. That's actually a really good point because that also allows for open communication later on. Being honest yeah. with yourself allows you to then ask the questions or to be vulnerable or talk about your own flaws, etc., to your partner. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, really a, a pillar for successful relationships is, you know, a healthy functioning relationship with yourself first and foremost, and not that you're perfect and you have all your stuff figured out, but just that, yeah, you're constantly making an effort to know and understand yourself on a deeper level. I think respect is really important. And what I mean by that is really feeling that sense of wonder and delight at the entire universe that is your partner. And that is what collaboration is built on. That is how you manage your differences because you don't, it doesn't become me versus you, my way versus your way, or I need to convince you of something because I am genuinely in love with the way, you know, Reese's mind works. His perspectives fascinate me. I don't see them as a challenge to mine. I see them as a compliment, even when I totally disagree. Right. So, and that, like that deep respect. And I suppose, you know, it's that the foundation of love in many ways, I believe allows us to operate as a team, particularly important considering we work together and oh my goodness, we are, very different. We clash a lot. Oh my gosh, we clash <laughs> a lot creatively. Um, and so we couldn't overcome that without that really deep respect for each other. Yeah. What um, I was going to say, where do you think most people go wrong when they do have consideration for each other, they have good communication, but things are still not headed in the right direction. Like they're still arguing a lot or they just don't get along or they have differences of goals and foresight of where they're going to be in in years to come. Where do you think they go wrong in trying to resolve that? Mm, The thing that's coming up for me in this is the problem is never the problem. Mm. So 
if we take like a really specific example of like an argument that a couple is having, and it can be basically about anything. There's like the surface level that I said this, you said that, no, I said this, no, you didn't, you said this, right? Mm. That's what they think they're arguing about. What they're actually arguing about is almost always something completely different. It's so true. And it's, it, it's the difference between what the person said and what we actually heard inside of our own minds. Yeah. It's what, what we make that mean and how I feel in response to that. It's like every argument is always about connection mm. underneath. Yeah. Mm. I think you, you touched on something really interesting in your question. And it's for me, it's the third part of what makes a relationship strong, that collaboration and teamwork and closeness, like the actual coming together both literally and <laughs> and metaphorically there, um, that sense that you kind of have a shared vision mm. and you, you do have a sense of togetherness. And you can have different directions you want to go in as individuals and that can be really healthy and it is often very important that you have that. Um, but also there does need to be a sense of we're doing something together because that unites us. And in those moments when we feel separate, we still have this vision that we are working on together. And that can be multifaceted. Each couple gets to decide that for themselves, but it's this overarching why that can often help steer a couple through difficult times and create that sense of we're together. Mm. And sometimes couples just kind of fall into their relationships. It's not something so they actively choose. <laughs> it's not something that they actively create together. I, actually, I say that wonder, a lot. I actually think that a lot yeah. of people are in relationships with people that they've met in a nightclub on a night out. I think there's so many relationships that are still existing because of that's how they've met. Almost start a relationship with someone that's just given them attention. Yeah. Do you know mm. what I mean? Because they've been craving it for a while. Yeah. And that doesn't have to be a death sentence. No. Right? That can be the beginning, right? Mm. That can be, wow, you know what? We did get together when we were young because of that crazy night out in the town. But here we are now, 10 years later, and look at what we've got. Yeah. What do we want to do next? Let's get exactly. to know each other in a way that we never did before. How exciting is that? But that starts with a decision and it starts with deep, uncomfortable conversations. And it often starts with learning some skills that maybe you don't have yet. And I think also acknowledging that every relationship is designed to bring up all of your unhealed trauma, yeah. expectations, yeah. <laughs> all of the stuff that you're the carrying. fun of it all. <laughs> that's yeah. the fun of it all, right? And that's where, by, like, by just embracing that mentality, you get to then use it as an opportunity to look at your stuff mm. and to grow more deeply as an individual and as a couple in relationships. I think, you know, it's like, what, what's the what's one of the biggest problems like with couples in long-term relationships is just like not embracing that the inherent machinery of relationships is designed to bring up all of your stuff. Yeah. So embrace mm. it, like just run with it. Yeah. And it, I always look at like um, arranged marriages. I know some really successful ones, really yeah. successful ones. Yeah. And I yeah. always look to that and I always think they can do it. Really? We can all. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Because relationship is a skill yeah. like building a great relationship there are tools and i mean that's what originally got us into this work we 
we both came out of long-term relationships feeling very jaded. We were like, no, that we don't, (laughs) we don't think love's a thing. Um, I, I was like totally giving up. I'm never getting married. I don't think relationships will last. And then we met and we're like, Oh, you know, we'll give this a go just as a thing. This ain't going anywhere, right? You're, you're pretty cool. This is all right. We're yeah. Like hanging out. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. But we both kind of said from the start, it won't go anywhere because love isn't real. Yeah. And after trying to avoid, like deny what was here for a good six months, we actually even broke up in that time. We eventually went, oh, no, there is actually something rich and real here. But if we're going to make this work, let's learn what it takes to actually make a relationship successful. Mm. So that's when, when we quit our jobs and we went traveling and we enrolled in the Tantra courses and we did all the study and we discovered, ah, there are actually really core ingredients and core skills that make a relationship successful. We started to apply them to our relationship and went, oh my gosh, shouldn't everybody know this (laughs) stuff? Like imagine if everybody knew this stuff. So it is something that you can create. And this is why arranged marriages can be so successful. They're often applying these exact same skills. Exactly. Now, guys, before we wrap up, can you um, tell people where they can find more about you guys? Yes. So you can check out our website, practicalintimacy.com. There you can reach out and hear more about our coaching packages. We have an online course called Reignite Your Love Life. So different offerings and things there. We also have a blog with lots of articles. We share personal stories from our relationship. All the other places are Facebook and Instagram. So Practical Intimacy can check us out there. Fantastic. Guys, thank you so much. And enjoy the rest of your travels, even though you're in isolation (laughs) at the moment. I'm sure hopefully it won't be long. (laughs) At least you have a more exotic view than what I do out my window. Thank you so much for having us. This was so much fun. Yeah, no worries pleasure. at all. Thank you. Ants talk. It's like Oprah, but not.